Okay, hi, welcome everybody to another Katasa Healing Talk. And um, today we're going to talk about Destiny's Call to Awaken. And Meredith is going to get us started. Hi, everybody. So just to echo what Helmut said, we are back today with another call about the importance of waking up. And this time, like he said, the theme is about destiny's, uh, destiny's call to awaken. So as Helmut wrote, there's a chapter in Kay's first book, The Reluctant Shaman, called Death and Destiny. In it, Kay talks about how luring and hauntingly beautiful destiny's call to awaken is. In the last talk about frog medicine, Kay briefly touched on destiny's call, and we wanted to expand on it. Why are we here? How can you learn to hear her call and follow it? Why would you want to? And how can you follow her call? So <laughs> without further ado, let me uh, introduce Kay Cordell Whitaker, who is the author of The Reluctant Shaman and The Sacred Link. She is our teacher and uh, Laura and mine, and also her husband, Helmut Warman Whitaker. And he, in his own right, is a wonderful teacher of mine and also the tech wizard for these talks. And Laura, my great friend and mentor, who's also a student of Kay's. So take it away, Kay. <laughs> Thank you. Well, destiny. Uh, the the Hedekas, as they, they taught me, um, would mention destiny fairly often. But... Uh, it always came as a duo, uh, destiny and death, or if you prefer, death and destiny. Uh, for th their culture, for their, their way of looking at the world, uh, of life and death, uh, these, these two figures... Um, were, were very, very important, very prominent. For them, for their, for their tribe, their really ancient way of thinking, death is, is not a s scary thing. It's not something to be afraid of. It's not, uh, it's not something to try to run away from. The people around you that you love, uh, things around you that you love as they pass on, they're no longer there. Uh, for them, that's, that's, not, uh, that's not a bad thing. It might be sad, there might be grief, but their idea of grief is, is also a little bit different than the way we think of it in the modern culture, Western, Western modern culture. In the, the modern culture, we're, we're so uh, indoctrinated. We're so, um, we're put to sleep, we're put in, in a fog, a brain fog, uh, by all of these 
ideas, these beliefs, these ways of, of thinking and, and being and feeling inside ourselves and responding, reacting. We're, we're taught uh, ways of doing that that uh, become, in our culture, they become a very, very strong dictate. And they dominate everything about the way we think and feel and respond and interact and our emotions, everything. We, we learn um, to make a very high priority out of fear and anger all kinds of other negative emotions. We have so much of, of what we think and believe and, and feel and experience is, is based on that. Everything grows out of uh, all of our experiences, our perspective of ourselves, our lives. Everything grows out of the dominance of these negative emotions. And we, we put death very high on our list of things to be afraid of. So what we've learned in our culture uh, is to have so much stress and so much anxiety about any kind of change, major change, about the unknown. Anything that's unknown, anything coming up in our lives that's unknown, we're, we're taught to be afraid of. We're taught to fear this possibility that there'd be a death of things, death of somebody, death, our own death. We're very, very afraid of our own death. And that, that puts uh, a real twist. It puts a real, real different taste uh, on so many aspects of our lives. Anything that has to do with, with these possibilities of big, big shifts, changes, loss, death, it evokes... Huge amounts of fear, and usually with it, there's there's anger and frustration, and any any other kind of negative emotion you could dream up uh, usually becomes part of those pictures and the experience that we have. So they're they're undesirable most people in the, the modern culture, and you bring up death, uh, it's, it's something people don't want to hear, they don't want to talk about, they don't want to face. We end up never facing uh, this mortality, that everything that's in our, our material world 
uh, has mortality. So we don't we don't like we're not comfortable with that. It gets um, it gets to where people uh, in our culture when they they have to face this reality of our existence. It's it's. It's turned into a bad thing, a, a bad guy, a boogeyman, a, um, the, the possibility that when we die or our loved ones die, we're going to go to some realm like hell, which is the worst of worst of things that you could ever dream up of an existence is, is in hell, and that would be an eternity. For eternity, you're going to, your consciousness and, and whatever other kind of existence you have uh, is going to be in the middle of hell. Now that's, uh, that's terrifying. That's just, it's downright disgusting when you, when you think about that. And we're, we're taught this at a really young age, really, really young. All these kinds of concepts is responses to death. And death is singled out. It's kind of shoved off by itself. We never in our modern culture think about death as being some kind of a teacher. That we could learn things from the reality of, of our mortality. We can learn a lot. In the, the ancient cultures, in the Hedekas culture, which is really, really, really ancient, death is, is an everyday part of life. Everything has an end to it, even a rock. Everything has an end to it eventually. And it's not a bad thing. It's just a change. Death is thought of as a a companion, an ally, a teacher, a best friend. Death is the one that can teach us uh, about who we really are. That's the best teacher for understanding who and what you really, really are, what your song is. Death gives us a perspective that pulls us out of of the fog uh, of the, the culture, pulls us out of the asleepness of the culture. Death easily and eagerly offers us that perspective of real reality, who we really are, what we really are, what we're doing here on this uh, 3D time space life, on this planet at this time. 
and where we decided to end up because we pick where we're going to be when we have when they have a life here we pick it so the culture we ended up in the family we ended up in and places that are major um, aspects of our our lives uh, we sought those out and Death makes this very apparent. Death shows us what's important. In the asleepness of the modern culture, we our perspective is really little. It's really narrow. It's it's all squished up and and twisted, <laughs> and it's full of, of lies. Like colored glasses, uh, and and the glasses are distorting everything. We don't see what's really there about ourselves or the world around us, or the people in our lives, people we love the most. We have a very very hard time seeing or feeling who they really are because we're so busy being asleep. Our perspective is so twisted. Our ability to observe is so colored and so twisted, and it's a—it's uh, all—it's all like shrunk down into this tunnel vision. Death, death, frees you from that. It takes you out of that. You don't have to die to be free of those perspectives of the modern culture. But it is a big change. It's a really big change. With death, death's companion is destiny. And living the way we do in our modern culture, we're never going to perceive destiny (laughs) We're never going to, it just goes whoosh right past us. We just don't have a clue. But as we begin to wake up, as we begin to uh, invite death to be a teacher, to be uh, a guardian, a companion, a guide. Then we can start to perceive destiny. And when I this was one of the early, early ceremonies that they, the Hedekas gave to me when I started studying with them. And I was I was still so very, very, very asleep and so um just buried. I mean, really like being buried alive, buried in all of my blindly held beliefs that I sucked up from the culture or they crammed them down my throat. I was so much in my my daily fog, my daily 
life of a lot of pretend ideas that the culture provides us with. That uh, they felt it necessary to give me this journey uh, in a very different way with plant plant medicines. And this is not psychedelics. They they never gave me psychedelics. They ne- never gave me any of those kind of plants and told me not to consume them. Not until uh, I had been studying for a very long time and then maybe if I felt compelled to understand something like a peyote ceremony, uh, something like that, that was authentic, and led by a, a real medicine person trained really well how to lead a ceremony like that. So I wasn't allowed to drink alcohol uh, or take any of these substances. Pharmaceuticals that were mind-altering were... Uh, they didn't want me to do that. You know, if I'd gotten in a car accident and, you know, the first thing they do in an ER, the hospital is shoot you up with some heavy duty painkiller uh, that just fogs your mind, opiates and stuff like that. They didn't want me to ever, ever take any of those things. And I, I haven't. But what they did give me was an herb concoction that makes you a bit foggy, but the worst thing is the nausea. It makes you throw, it's designed to throw you up, make you throw up. I hate throwing up. I mean, especially back then. It was like the worst thing in the world that could possibly happen is to throw up. So they... And they didn't tell me that it was going to do this ahead of time. They just, you know, oh, you want some tea? We're going to talk to you about the ceremony. We're going to get you all prepared and, and you know, just, just relax. So I drank the tea down, tasted good. <laughs> At least it wasn't something that just tasted like, oh, like garbage. But it didn't take very long for it to start to act where uh, I started, you know, getting chills and the, and sweating and then getting chills and then and foggy brain. And uh, my vision was it just started not, not being good, a little trouble focusing. And, you know, sure enough, I, I started throwing up. Uh, and that put me in a place of... Uh, of fear, really, fear, fear of death. I, I was incredibly nauseated. I'm, I can't remember being quite that nauseated before. And the my whole body, you know, feeling all wacko, crazy, hot, really hot one second, chills, deep chills the next, um, just super uncomfortable, uh, almost a pain, like all over my body. I think I had a headache. Uh, 
I, I really was starting to uh, have that cultural fear of dying. That, you know, this was going to kill me. And that's, that was the perfect opportunity to, um, to have them kind of push me out of that thought form, the cultural thought form of death, and be able to experience this concept that they call destiny. Now, death and destiny to them are not deities. They're not spirits. They're, uh, they're a force of nature, I think is the best way to describe it. And then they had talked to me before about death and destiny. And I knew that I was going to meet destiny. So we were out, we, we went behind the house the cottage, the little bitty cottage. But um, I'm not really sure where we were because it looked um, like a lot of greenery <laughs> was around. <laughs> it looked, uh, and that's not exactly what the area around their house looked like because they lived across the street from the beach area. So it was a, sandy, not a lot of things grew there, that kind of stuff. So I don't really know uh, where my my point of awareness of my consciousness actually ended up, but there was a lot of green around me, a lot of a lot of plants, and the smell of the plants, and that was nice. That was comforting. But then, um, then there's a the the image, a personification of destiny and death appeared. And death was uh, really, really old. Old, I mean, really, really, really old woman, as it appeared to me. Destiny was, was very young, pretty, had layers of of cloth on, um, like like cloaks or you know huge shawls, and just kind of wrapped all around and hiding her face most of the time. And the wind, you know, blowing this very thin cloth around. And she sang. She was singing. And her voice, the, the music that she was singing, was extremely beautiful. It just hit me right in my, my heart, in my third chakra, just my gut, uh, and in the throat. Uh, it was haunting. Very, very, very haunting in a um, luring, alluring way. And she started to move off. And I found myself following her. Uh, I couldn't imagine not being close by. 
because she felt like something, someone or something that I wanted to be really close to. I wanted to be really close to. I needed to be really, really close to. I needed to like fill myself up with the energy that she gave off. Like I was starving. And we went through um, like jungle, looked more like jungle. Uh, it was sunny, it was the middle of the day, but the sun doesn't reach all the way down to the ground in a lot of the thick jungle areas. And then I found myself in a cave trying to follow her. Uh, and death is always nearby. Death was always nearby. I could always see her. I could always feel her. Sometimes I could hear her. I could almost smell. They almost, it's like they had a smell. And in the cave, I lost sight of destiny. And this cave had all kinds of, of you know, shafts that went off every which direction and, and big rooms, cavern rooms, and um, the light would get really, really dim, and then there'd be um, some light coming through so I could see a little bit more. And I, I, I had to follow her by, by sound, by hearing her sing. And in the cave, there were echoes with her singing. So it was, sounds a lot like many voices with all these harmonies and um, the pole, the pole that she has. Whatever she was, whatever she represented, whatever she was leading me to, I wanted. I wanted. Didn't know what it was really, but I wanted it desperately. So I kept hunting down these caverns after her, following the sound. There was a smell. And I finally caught up with her. And death is there too. Death is right there. And some, at some moments, death would be singing with destiny. They each had their own melody, but they, they, they were beautiful together. It was uh, two instruments playing one. One important uh, melody. Destiny was continuing to show me that uh, change is good. Change is really one of the, about the only thing that you could be, you could depend on 
in 3D time space existence. Because everything is going to change and it's changing all the time. And it's not a bad thing and you don't have to be afraid of it. Sometimes change is a death. And death, of course, is always a new beginning. There's always an opportunity with death. There's always a gift with death, at least one gift. And this is what she was teaching. And destiny was, she was, she was singing don't have really quite the right language. All the possibilities, all the probabilities of what I could be experiencing in in this life, what I could do, what I could become, what my purpose in life, this life, was about. And if it tied into other lifetimes and the purpose I had in those lifetimes, they they seemed to be woven together and just like the cloth that was all all these layers of cloth and they were blowing around as as wind would come by through the caverns. She was everything I really, really wanted in life and wanted to be and wanted to do. She saw all those possibilities, all those probabilities. And I I wanted it. I knew that the life I had been living up to that point was missing an awful lot of stuff. <laughs> I was missing a lot of knowledge that I needed to find. And I, I was missing so many different kinds of experiences that I, I needed to find and make part of me and part of my life. And I knew uh, that was the first time I think I... I really had a strong experience of how blind I was in asleep, how blind I was in that asleepness of the culture. And that I I knew I took it on on purpose, that I needed to experience and learn and know all all those things about being asleep and having your perspective, uh, it's like cut off at the nose. I I wanted everything that she was and everything she had and everything she she had to offer, everything she represented, uh, that hunger that was felt insatiable. I felt like if I could get close to her and stay close to her and and just keep soaking in everything that she was, everything she radiated, 
that that could teach me, that could feed me, that could give me this, all of this, this huge something that I discovered I was missing. I, I was missing so, so, so much. And before that, I had no clue I was missing anything. I, I, once I had met the Hedekas, I, they had something I knew I wanted, but, I, boy, destin, destiny taught me how much I was missing, and death taught me how much I needed to start focusing my attention and prioritizing my life and my attention and what I wanted for myself in this life. That I, my life, this physical life isn't going to be here forever. <laughs> this is a, a one-time opportunity and it's kind of short. So I needed to get down to business. <laughs> They talked about the level of commitment that it takes. If you really want what destiny offers, all these possibilities and probabilities of who you are, who you could be, what you are, what you could be, what you could be doing for yourself, for family, for the whole world, if you really want it deep and sincere, then you need to commit to that. That needs to be priority number one in your life. And it doesn't mean that you can't get married or you can't have kids or you can't do some of these other things that you might want to be doing in your life. It gets woven into it. It's part of it learning the, all those teachings, learning that ancient, ancient knowledge and making it um, yours, making it part of you, part of who and what you are and how you live and how you think and how you feel and what you radiate. It's your beingness. It's your everyday, day-to-day way of thinking and from the inside out and feeling, and living, and responding. They taught me gratitude. The two of them together. Without understanding your mortality, without understanding what death really is, and without understanding what your destiny is, and what all those possibilities are that you could choose. Uh, gratitude is, is a, it's just a different thing. When you're, when you're living in sleep, modern culture, 
gratitude is, it's very likely that you have at least some, some people a lot more than others, but it's, it's for everyday kind of things. And it, it's like a small cup. It's a small cup. When you follow destiny and death, gratitude becomes a, a huge vessel, huge. And, and that's, that's from deep inside yourself, gratitude. Deep love, unconditional love and deep gratitude for all, all of your life and all life and all your connect, connectedness and, and your interactions and uh, all the love that you can experience and feel in, in yourself and share out and accept, receive. All the things that you could learn and be and experience and learn to know and share, teach others, give to others. The gratitude for that, gratitude for all the aliveness, gratitude for the field of aliveness that we're part of. The cup just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. The longer that you live, the more you learn, the more you experience the more beautiful everything gets, the more fantastic it gets. At that ex- experience, uh, I'm not sure exactly when it ended. Uh, I think I fell asleep. And woke up on one of the, their little benches in their front room. Still feeling kind of sick. <laughs> Still ready to puke some more. <laughs> but that, that experience of, of destiny, the, the call, the call of destiny, the luring, beckoning, it's like the Greek stories of the sirens. They were so beckoning, nobody could resist them. That's, that's the way destiny is. So I think, I think I'll leave the story at that point, and we can go to some conversations about death and destiny and ceremony thank you all thank you Kate that was so beautiful You ladies have anything? I will say that um, before the call started, 
I was telling my fellow panelists here that I, um, for Valentine's Day, I gave myself the gift of going to meet death. And um, that's a whole other conversation. That was amazing. But Kay, this talk, oh, it's hard for me to even explain. I've sort of made a flow chart here because <laughs> that's the way that my mind seems to work. But what you've said has, it has pulled together a lot of things in my head. So please tell me your thoughts on this, but here's basically what I have here. So Katasi is learning balance and the balance, um, the, the first step of that is, is of course, learning our song and learning your song is then in fact, getting your power back from what the culture has taken from you but your two allies from in that journey of getting your power back are death and destiny death is what you always say are our, our, our two parts of our power are our time and attention so here's death which is the time destiny which is the attention and Obviously, the attention is the getting what you really want, getting what really gets your blood pumping, which I am just dying right now. <laughs> I'm just pumping away here. But then you said that the key element among those two things, the death and destiny, is the gratitude, which, you know, circling back to a whole other conversation, gratitude helps you really manifest what you want the most am i am i like in the <laughs> am i making any zone. Sense? <laughs> that is that is a, a an extremely astute observation and connection that you it have. just like goes it, it just goes forever and it just blows my mind i'm just so in love with this topic continue <laughs> Thank you. That's, um, yeah, you've more than hit the nail on the head. <laughs>